Our scripture passage today comes from John chapter 3, beginning in verse 1. Hear God's holy and infallible word. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered him, saying, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus said to him, How can these things be? Jesus answered him, Are you a teacher of Israel, and yet you do not understand these things? Truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of what we know and bear witness to what we have seen, but you do not receive our testimony. If I have told you earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you heavenly things? This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. As we come to God's word, we need his help to understand. Let's begin with a moment of prayer. Father, we need your spirit to illuminate your word to us, to cause us to hear and to understand. We need your help to understand who you are and our need. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You may have noticed I stopped our reading a couple of verses early. That's partially because that section is going to be part of next week's message. It seemed like I had the break figured out, and then when I was working this week, I uh, realized, oh, those two verses should go next week. So <clears throat> if there was any confusion there, that's why I stopped. It was intentional. There are a lot of things that people try to prepare you for in life. As you uh, grow older and you experience new things, you become more mature. Uh, One of those things that uh, I don't think you can ever truly be prepared for is the birth of a child. I know we have a lot of time ahead of it to prepare. We read all sorts of books, you know, what to expect when you're expecting. Uh, Your doctor might have you come up with some sort of birth plan. You have all of this information and yet you can't truly be prepared for something like the birth of a child unless you've gone through it you don't really know what to expect this imagery of being born is the what Jesus is trying to show us what it means to be part of his kingdom the imagery of birth he uses throughout here, and so we don't want to stray out of that metaphor, to stray out of that, that language as we look at this passage, as we try to understand the nuances he's bringing forth, the uniqueness of childbirth, of being born, of, of new life coming in. Part of what's so unable to be prepared for when you have a child is the miraculous nature of it. This whole new person has been created and is brought into the world. 
we certainly understand the science behind it, but there's something about it that is beyond reasoning, right? It's an experience we have. It's something that happens, and it's also part of everyday life. Is there anything more basic to humanity than our ability to bring forth the next generation? And yet God is doing miraculous work in the birthing of our children, and how much more so Jesus is drawing us into that imagery of his kingdom. This is a passage uh, that has one of those kind of those common phrases in it that you might be familiar with. Uh, Born-again Christian. Has anybody called themselves a born-again Christian? I probably have many times. Uh, it's really pronounced in uh, particularly the Southern Baptist Church and the Billy Graham Crusades. Uh, this, the message, you must be born again. It's the message that Jesus has here. Uh, but as these kind of phrases take on uh, Christian subculture, sometimes they lose a little bit of the nuance and they gain a little bit more information than perhaps uh, is intended by the text. And so th- this idea of being born again, we must be born again, is what we want to dive into today. Why does Jesus tell us we need to be born again? What does that mean? How does that work? Why does it matter? These are actually the questions that Nicodemus is asking. He doesn't understand what's going on, but it's something that we must do. Jesus doesn't mince any words here. It is the only way to be part of his kingdom. If you remember last week, at the end of chapter 2, there was this little section we spent some time on, uh, and it talked about how there were people that believed in Jesus because they saw the signs that he did, but that Jesus didn't really trust them because he knew the sinfulness of man's heart. John introduces to us here in his gospel this interchange between Nicodemus And we should be good readers of Scripture and realize this is going to be the first case example of somebody who professes to believe something about Jesus because of what he saw. He doesn't quite understand it all. There's still a problem. Jesus is not satisfied with his level of understanding, and so he draws him into something deeper. He tells him about his real need. Now, Nicodemus is this man, we're told, he is a ruler of the Jews, and he's a Pharisee. So this would have been somebody who had all of the academic accolades you would need to be a rabbi in the time of Jesus. He would have been uh, on, on the council who oversaw the religious life of the people of God, the Sanhedrin. Right, this, this man knew all the right answers, would have been well thought of. And he comes to Jesus... And he calls him rabbi. And now Jesus has been called rabbi a couple times already. But when it's done by somebody like Nicodemus, it's a little bit more jarring. Right? It would be as if you are a tenured professor you know, at Oxford University and you have your PhD and you've published all of this stuff and you will not be addressed anything except for doctor. And then you go to the guy who dropped out of high school and you say, excuse me, doctor, I need your advice on my dissertation, right? Like, like here, the man who is supposed to be the true teacher of Israel is coming to the true teacher of Israel and acknowledging that he is a rabbi. He is a teacher, and he must learn. (laughs) 
Nicodemus has some understanding about who Jesus is. He says, look, like we, we know the things you're doing. You can't be doing under your own power and authority. I've seen the signs you're doing. God is truly with you. He doesn't really ask him a question. He's just there to learn at the feet of the rabbi. Jesus answers him. He says, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Later on, Jesus says a very similar thing, but he says you can't enter the kingdom. Unless we're born again, we can't see and we can't enter. And Nicodemus just has no idea what Jesus is talking about. And if we weren't 2,000 years removed from this passage, we wouldn't have any idea what Jesus was talking about. What does it mean to be born again? What does it do? How does it work? Jesus tells us that we must be born of the water and spirit. As, as Nicodemus is trying to figure out what does this mean, Jesus says you must be born of the water and spirit. You can't enter the kingdom of heaven. Nicodemus still has no idea what's happening. This is an allusion to the promise of what it means to be in the covenant people of God as he comes and brings in the new kingdom. When you see this phrase, the kingdom of God, now Nicodemus isn't just thinking about a a moment in time, Uh, this kingdom of God here and now. It's, It's a much broader understanding about the fulfillment of all things. The hope of the Messiah to come was going to usher in the final kingdom to experience the everlasting kingdom of God the full redemption of his people the longing throughout the ages one of those promises is from Ezekiel 36 we've touched on this a couple times recently here's what it says beginning in verse 25 I will sprinkle clean water on you and you shall be clean from all of your uncleanliness and from all of your idols I will cleanse you And I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. The coming of the kingdom, the coming of Christ's kingdom is one in which he is going to do this internal miraculous change. The new birth is described here as a washing Right? Sprinkle you clean with water. Wash away all of your uncleanliness. Wash away your idols. Pour out my spirit on you. Give you a new heart. The sinfulness of man that we talked about last week has to be dealt with in a new way. Jesus is calling people for a new birth, a new life. It's the imagery we have in baptism, right? We're washing people. We're sprinkling them, pouring them as the washing of the new covenant, as the Holy Spirit is being poured out on people. The promise is that it's not just an external thing, but as God is at work in us, his spirit is doing that internally in the hearts of his people. We must be born again, born of water and the spirit, not two different things. It's the imagery of God's cleansing. His spirit doing a work in our hearts. He's reorienting our loves. It says at the end of this passage that he is going to give us his spirit and it will cause us to walk in his statutes 
and to be careful to obey his rules. God is even going to give us the ability to walk in his ways, to obey his laws, because he's doing for us what we cannot do on our own. Sometimes we like to think of the phrase as born again as the same as conversion. And they're inextricably linked to each other. But they're not the same. Because being born again, having this miraculous work happen in our lives is the thing that allows us to even have faith. To even draw near to God. To even have the inkling to believe. God is the one who is doing this internal work. He's the one causing us to act in a way. He's the one that leads us to repentance and faith. Being born again is the prerequisite. It's the way in which we have the ability to see and to hear. If you think about this imagery of birth, what does being born do? Many things, but one of them is that it gives you new abilities. Think of a child who is in the womb of his mother, is in contained comfort and security. And when he comes forth, all of a sudden he can experience the world in a new way. The murmurs of his mother's voice, he hears clearly. The bright lights are new and he can see, he can feel and smell. what's happening in the new birth it gives us the ability to see to hear to understand spiritual things there are many places in scripture that talk about uh, the condition of the people of God that is an indictment against them Jeremiah chapter 5 is one of them it says this that their hearts have grown dull they have eyes to see but they cannot see, and they have ears, but they cannot hear. It's a diagnosis of our spiritual state, that we have eyes, but we can't see. Nicodemus knows the right answers to the questions, but he doesn't understand what Jesus is talking about. We're blind and we're deaf, unless we're born into the new Spiritual reality where God allows us to see and hear like we never have before. To understand, to experience the things that we knew maybe were true. It's a common testimony among the church. People who would say, I grew up and I always kind of believed that Jesus was necessary. right?" But it wasn't until such and such that it really began to make sense. It wasn't until, you know, high school, I went to this Bible study and I started to read the Bible and it began to come alive. I began to really understand why Jesus had to die. I began to have this sense of which I didn't have before. Well, how does it work? How does this happen? Jesus doesn't give us a whole lot of insight into that. He says it's like the wind. You can, you can tell it's there. You don't know where it came from. You don't know where it's going. We know all about wind here in North Dakota. It's hitting you in the face. It's something that happens, but we don't quite understand it. It's mysterious. 
I, I talked earlier about when you're preparing to have a child and you come up with like this birth plan. You know, we're going to get our bag ready, and then when this happens, then we'll get ready to go, and we're going to call our mom, and they're going to come babysit our kids. Like by the time you get to the hospital, your plan is like out the window, or you forgot it altogether. That's kind of how it is with this. There's not a formula for what it looks like for someone to be born again. Think about the difference in, in each birth. I have three kids. I can tell you they were all different. Some of them are long and drawn out. Hours and hours and hours of labor and pain. Some of them are so fast that you didn't even get to the hospital. Some of them are so difficult that they have to be surgically intervened. Emergency C-sections. And so it is with the new birth. We have the story of John the Baptist in one of the Gospels that tells us that even while he was in his mother's womb, he leapt for joy because the Spirit was at work in him. John the Baptist experiences the new birth before his real earthly birth. Some of us are born again. Experience is dramatic. It's fast. It happens unexpectedly. Or it happens painfully. Some of us can't really remember a time when we never knew the Lord, didn't know the Lord. The birth has happened before we even knew But what's important to remember about the new birth, the need to be born again, is it takes the things that we can know and it gives them tangibility. We can experience them in a new way. We are able to see spiritual truths. Why does this matter? Well, it places God in his proper place. We often like to think that we are in control or when we read something like, you must be born again. Well, okay, well, hey, you need to be born again. It's something that we cannot do to ourselves. It's offensive to people who are morally upright, like Nicodemus. It's offensive to someone like Nicodemus to say you must be born again. Think about who Nicodemus is. He is a Jew born in the line of Abraham. He's at the top of the religious order of the day. And he's saying, your lineage, your birth doesn't do anything for you in God's kingdom. You must be born of the Spirit. A son of Abraham isn't good enough. Religious activity and morality cannot get us even close. We can't cause ourselves to be born. But it's also a very comforting truth. To those who are weak and who are broken, who don't have a noble birth. The new birth reminds us that it's even possible. Nobody is too far gone. No sin can prevent it because it is an act of God. One of the other things that birth does is it gives us an identity. There are very, very, very few, less everyday things in our culture that we can say are truly objective about our identity. We can act a certain way or do certain things to change our identity. If we want to be like this, we just got to do these things. 
But our birth is probably one of the few things left that we can't change. We can't change who our mom is. Not truly. We can't change the way in which we were born. We are identified with that moment in time. We are identified with our lineage, whether we like it or not, whether we know them or not. Send in your DNA sample and find out where you were born from. That's our identity. It's in many ways at the core of who we are. And as we are being born of the Spirit, we are given a new identity. We're becoming children of God. One of my favorite passages in Scripture comes from 1 John chapter 3. John, the guy who wrote this gospel, also wrote some letters. John chapter 3 says this, See what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called children of God. And so we are. God is at work building his kingdom, not through finding people to follow a powerful king into battle, but doing a miraculous internal change and pouring out his love in a way that will actually make us into his children. It reorients everything about us. You can't earn yourself into a family. We belong because that's where we were born into We're no better than anybody else. We can't think of our birth as being something we did that was so great. Our hope and our humility comes because of an act of what God has done. It gives hope for those who believe, but Jesus didn't trust. That as they believe, that as God is at work, he is able to change their hearts, to take fickle, sinful depraved people and to turn them into his children. To take wicked humanity and turn them into saints. And as children, we become heirs. We're welcomed in in a way that we cannot even begin to understand into God's presence as a father who has shown love to us. So if this is an act of God and it's something we can't do to ourselves, what ought we to do? I only have a couple ideas of application for you. One, it ought to shape the way we interact with people, interact with ourselves, with our family, our loved ones. It ought to give us great comfort that we're not the one in charge of converting people. Right? If we have to live perfect lives in order for people to believe in Jesus, no one's going to believe in Jesus. If we have to tell everybody the perfect truth of the gospel in an unadulterated way, we will fail. If our church must be perfect, if this sermon must be perfect, we will fail. But we can have confidence because it's God who is at work. And he is the one that we must go to. This is a work of God's spirit. And so when we think about the idea of the new birth, it should draw us into the places we know he has promised to be at work. Gathered as his people together, he meets with us. 
His spirit is at work as we come to worship. God is not at work in random, secret places, but in his chosen messengers. Right? The apostles go out in the book of Acts. And when they're preaching, the Holy Spirit falls. The new birth happens. People are converted through his appointed means. God is at work through prayer. He's at work through preaching. He's at work through reading his word. He's at work through worship. These are his appointed means, the things he has chosen to work through. And so there's real hope. There's real hope in our prayers for our children, for our loved ones, for those who seem so far off. There's hope for those who seem close, too. May we be humbled by the reality of the new birth. We begin our prayer each week with our scripture reading and saying, Lord, we need your help. We need eyes to see and ears to hear. God is at work within us. We are not perfected because of our birth. He is continually renewing us day in and day out. As we see Nicodemus's story here, he comes as one who has some sort of faith, but clearly not the new birth. But at the end of this gospel, we see that Nicodemus is one of the men who come and ask for Jesus' body off of the cross. I don't want to speculate about the condition of Nicodemus' heart, but it can give us hope for the people that seem to not get it, to get it later. If you don't get it, God can change us. And may we be humbled as we go out to other people praying for them, seeking that God would change them, not browbeating them into the kingdom, not thinking we can convince them with our cunning attempts, but knowing that he is at work through ordinary means, through relationships with his people, through his word. May we cling to those things. May we rejoice in the love that's been poured out on us, that we are children of God. May that be our true identity. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the hope of new life. We thank you that you do a work in us that we cannot do on our own. And we pray that you would continue that work as the author and perfecter of our faith. Lord, continue to give us eyes to see and ears to hear. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.